Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 187 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Nurse Ratchet. She tells us about shit you should never do. Here's your host, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. The studio is full tonight, Beast. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We we are not used to guests in the house. Well, in the house tonight, we have Nurse Ratchet. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you, folks? Now, for the youngins out there who don't know who Nurse Ratchet is, she's a character in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She was a rather, how do you say, hard ass? She was in control. So make sure, gentlemen, that you understand what I say is what goes on. Ooh, a threat has been cast. But Jack didn't understand that. (laughs) So... What do you bring to us tonight, Nurse? Well, I've been kind of exploring the kink world. I'm new to it. And uh, some of the issues that I find interesting is when I'm, especially when I'm looking at some of the pictures that are out there now. And I look at things through a nurse's eye first. I am a nurse. I am not here to diagnose or offer any personal advice. I'm just looking at from my experience as a nurse for over 30, 40 years, excuse me, 40 years, some of the things that I see, and it makes me wonder when someone is performing some of these acts, you know, how safe are they and how safe am I if I allow someone to do this to me? Okay, so let's recap. You're a nurse, but you're not their nurse. No. Well, in this case, uh, we want to make sure that is uh, fair because any uh, medical advice that is given is given on a very general basis, and it is not specific to any of our listeners' particular problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are licensed in the state of Tennessee. I am. A registered nurse. I am. Let's uh, start down the road. Pick a starting point. Some of the pictures that I've been noticing, we were looking at being tied up. Restraint, that's always been an interest of mine as a healthcare provider. I restrain people all the time. When we were looking at your list, I was looking through the list that's on your toolbar for things to negotiate. And I said, oh, I do this. I do this. I do this. I get paid for that. She's a professional, but not the way we think about it. Exactly. But the thing is, I've been trained. I have to go through classes on a yearly basis to make sure of any updates. So if someone's going to do that to me, I want to make sure that I'm safe. And, you know, we talk about negotiation. And one of the things that the form on our site in the toolbox is important that we negotiate a scene and understand how that scene is going to come down and make sure there is adequate training. And the thing we got to watch out for is adequate training is kind of a misnomer there, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, because there are many factors that come into that. Those of us that are becoming a little more mature, we have different issues going on. 
do we already have some nerve damage going on, arthritis? Do we have circulation issues already? Do we have diabetes? Uh, have we had a stroke? These are things that you have to take into consideration if you're going to restrain somebody. Woody, I am kind of reminded of the extreme sport phenomena that is sweeping the nation. In extreme sports, we have highly trained athletes right. involved in these activities. But in our kink world, that level of athleticism doesn't exist. Right. So I think that we may not be as where as we might be think that we're risk aware, but do we truly know all of the factors involved? Well, when we uh, dial up FetLife and look at some pictures, there's some very interesting pictures that are salacious and want us to do things like that. But we may not simply be qualified uh, either from a physical fitness or a training point of view. This is true. So, Nurse Ratchet, bondage is the hot topic today. It is. And I think we all have a little excitement about being restrained and, and unable to fight back. But if my feet are turning blue, that's not a good thing. Well, even today, bondage, though, is going beyond just the restraint right. for um, inability to fight back. It's gone into a decorative form, almost a sport-like. Like the shibari. Like the shibari. Right. And is there is there cumulative effects from this? I would think so. This was my question. When they're getting ready to suspend someone, how long are they in a position if you're wrapped and your circulation is cut off, skin tissue breaks down uh, after 10 minutes of poor circulation. If you've cut off the circulation, you're already beginning to cause tissue damage. If you put your hand under your leg while you're sitting and it starts to go to sleep, that means that you're not getting proper circulation. So once it's asleep and you no longer feel anything, then you have to rely on color and skin temperature. And what about things like endorphins that are blinding you to these sensations? Exactly. That's where the person that's doing the tying needs to be responsible and double check. When I restrain somebody in a healthcare setting, I have to be able to slide two fingers between the skin and the restraint at all times. And many of the Sabari practitioners would argue that that kind of looseness adds to the risk of the tie. Yeah, because they're going to slip and things like that. That they're slippage, yeah. Right. So the thing is, are we looking at a time frame on how long you're going to keep someone restrained, even though you're going, and the suspension, how long are you going to suspend them once they're restrained? And as you were saying, the endorphins, you're not going to feel it if you're the one being restrained. The person that's doing the rope and the tying, they need to be aware of what's going on with your body. One thing that comes to mind is when we see some of these lovely shibari shots on FetLife, what we see is the pinnacle moment. We don't see the run-up to it and how long it took to get there. We see, you know, the master picture of it. And if you recall Master Cecil, when we talked to him last, we talked about him, what was it, 10 girls they put on a baton at once, and they had 10 people tying. And so basically, they yell, go. Everybody started tying at the same time. They tied them to the, the baton and then raised it. And then they took the picture of 10 girls hanging there at the same time. Then right after that picture, they lowered them down and untied them. And so that is kind of a responsible way of getting 
this mass project done. But if they had to tie one at a time, the first one would certainly be in trouble by the time they got to the 10th. Absolutely. Many solo uh, experiments are just that. Their, their, their experiments has, has we're trying new dots and new angles and new, new techniques. So we have to be cognizant of uh, skin temperature and skin color. And if we're in an experimental mode, it's tie, check it out, get it to work, and then untie and, and let some circulation back in there and then start again. Nurse Ratchet. Yes. What's a recovery period? After after you have a, a loss in circulation, what's the recovery period before you can resume activities? In my opinion, I, again, everybody's going to be different. You know, I would think uh, the younger 20-somethings, they're probably going to be up in, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes without any issues. But as you get older, you know, immobilization, you know, if your joints are not working the way they used to and you've, you've been tied in some interesting pretzel Type shape. Now you're now you're making me all hot and bothered. I over know, here. I know. You like pretzels. I'll bring a bag next time I come around. It's a mustard too, please. All right, you got a deal. So you have to take into consideration age, and you know, even your twenty year olds. If your twenty year olds have uh, arthritis issues, I think with your people, they need to be responsible to kind of help them move and exercise those limbs, whether it's your leg or your arm or whatever. They need to help get circulation back in there. Now, when you lose circulation, though, you have accumulation of certain toxins at that site. Is that is that correct? I I don't think no, no not, not an really. accumulate, not really, because what it is, it's a lack of circulation. If it's done continuously for long periods of time, then we get necrosis, which is tissue death. Then is when you're going to see the toxins because the body's going to start coming in. The body is the most perfect machine ever created. The brain's the most perfect computer ever created. And it has an amazing ability to take care of itself and to repair itself. And we have to take care of it. So if people want to indulge in these activities, which is fine, I totally understand that, we need to make sure that we're taking care of that body part once you've released it so that you are getting circulation back into the and feeling and sensation. Now, what about other skin issues that from our other play? We see some really dramatic flagellations and whippings and cuttings and all that. What kind of risk do we pose here? Anytime you break the skin, you risk infection. The skin is our first line of defense against any bacteria, any of the superbugs that are going around. Uh, all of these things are very, very important to think about. If you're going to do something, if you're going to whip somebody and you've cut their skin open, what are you doing for them in their aftercare? Are you making sure that those wounds have been cleaned? Are you applying some kind of an antibiotic ointment? Are you covering them up? So that if they lay down and you cover them, they're not getting lint from a blanket or they're laying on a, a surface that's got somebody else's whatever bacteria and stuff there. As far as what they're doing for cleaning and keeping things sanitary. So anytime you break the skin, you're looking at potential infections at any age. This is blood or no blood, I take it. Either one. A paper cut. Just a little paper cut on the end of your finger. You can lose your finger, and I have seen this happen. We've had to amputate. 
From a paper cut? From a paper cut. It's a wake-up call. Me and my call. boss are going to talk about uh, about some new some new job requirements here. The job safety. In fairness, the patient was a transplant patient, so he was immunocompromised. That's something else you need to think about. So one of the things in the scene is not knowing the real depth of the health record of the person you're playing with. Exactly, exactly. And unfortunately, my little questionnaire that we've been putting out has one line in the last section of what your medical condition is. And I have had people come to me after they've filled it out and say, oh, and oh, by the way, I was diagnosed with this. And, you know, so maybe we need that standard little medical form that we have to fill in at the doctor's as part of a, a it wouldn't, place. It scene. wouldn't be a bad idea because, you know, people don't always think about, you know, well, I have diabetes, okay? Well, I've had diabetes for 20 years. It's no big deal to me. But if you don't know I have diabetes and you do something to me, you break my skin and I get an infection and it turns into a MRSA and I lose my leg or I lose a big chunk of skin or it turns into necrotizing fasciitis, who's to blame? Me because I didn't reveal something, you because you did something to me and you didn't do proper aftercare or I didn't do proper aftercare. Certainly the the blame is going to go on both parties for not having enough preparation going into a scene. Exactly. Arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. So there's other issues. What kind of medication are they on? A lot of the medications that we use with rheumatoid arthritis can cause skin tears just sometimes just by running your hand down their arm. It can cause a skin tear if their skin's fragile. What are some of the top health concerns do you think that the bottom needs to expose when they go into the scene, what are some of the top ones to be particularly aware of? Diabetes, I think, is number one because diabetes can affect, affects every part of the body. And we have a lot, I see multiple, multiple, multiple diabetic foot ulcers. I see skin breakdown because it's just your, your immune system is also involved with this. Anything that has an immune system with it or your rheumatoid arthritis, if you're on, um, Prednisone, are you on a blood thinner, Coumadin, Xarelto? Are you on a baby aspirin? Those things can cause excess bleeding. Maybe you're not breaking the skin, but are you developing a blood clot? Are you, is a blood clot developing in your leg or somewhere else? Now, blood, blood clots, while they're more common, the older you get, they're not limited to, Absolutely to not. Uh, mature adults early. Absolutely not. Immobility would be probably number two when you are looking at, at, at health care uh, issues because if you take a two-hour flight, you run the risk of developing blood clots. That's why the, the uh, announcements, every two hours when you're on a long road trip, get out every two to three hours. Get out, exercise. Deep vein thrombosis. That's right. And can if it travels to your lung, to your heart, to your brain, catastrophic issues. You could have a stroke. You could have a heart attack. If it goes to your lungs, which we call pulmonary emboli, if it hits just right, you're dead. If my leg were tied back all, all the way, mm-hmm. my uh, lower leg was bluing up, I am pooling blood. Yes. At that point, and yes, it are. is on the verge of of clotting. It can start to clot. Yes. Right, and so depending on how long it has been immobilized, will depend on the degree. And then when it's released, 
any clot there gets released into your circulatory it could. system. It could. It really could. And just to expound on that just a little bit, your foot turns blue and purple, then it goes white. When it goes white, you're in trouble because it's that's not a good thing. Why does it go white? There's just no more blood. There's no more blood and your foot goes white. It, it's not blanchable anymore, what we call blanchable. If you still have purple and if you push on it, it'll change a little bit of color. When it goes white, there's no color change, and that's pretty much dead tissue. Well, okay, Nurse Buzzkill. I, I mean, uh, Ratchet. <laughs> um, I told you. Well, she it just brings some, some sobriety to our extreme sports that we it, it is. In. Right. And we better get some skills if we're going to go down this road. Um, we don't like killing people in this scene. Uh, we don't like maiming them. No, and, and that's that's it with me. I already have an, a joint injury. I don't want somebody tying my hands behind my back and then not listening to me when I say I need to be released. It's communication, but this is also follow-through. Exactly. With, with the negotiation. So we've got diabetes has a primary mm-hmm. concern to warn about. And the second one was? Circulation issues. If you've got uh, atherosclerosis, arteriosclerosis, heart disease, all of these things where you're building up plaque in your blood vessels. And the third of the, t- of the top three? Breaking of the skin. Breaking of the skin. Yep. So if you have any immune issues or, or anything like that, Definitely be concerned about, but be concerned about breaking skin always. Anybody, whether you have autoimmune, whether you are auto suppressed or not, anytime you break the skin, you set yourself up for an infection. And infections. In this day and age, we're no longer as neosporin always sufficient. No, but if you do it right away, if you if you clean it well and do a little neosporin or your triple antibiotics and cover it, you probably will be okay. If they're superficial, meaning it's only through the first layer of skin. If it goes deeper, then you could be looking at some other issues if it heals. If you see muscle, this is not good. Yeah, I, I would say that's a, a hospital visit at that That's point. a hospital visit, absolutely. That's ER. Briefly, is there particular mental issues that we need to be concerned with? Absolutely. We have Korea, we have Vietnam, we have Desert Shield, we have Desert Storm veterans. All of these have participated and can participate. We also have people that have been traumatically abused, and PTSD is a very real disease. And if you're going to be doing any kind of uh, scene, what are their triggers? Do they know they have a trigger? If they do, what is it? And so some may be undiagnosed. Absolutely. And you're playing in a minefield then. Absolutely. Letting your top know about PTSD is critical if you are already aware, though. Yes, I think so. If you have any kind of psychiatric diagnosis, it's good to know because sometimes, you know, even even that you can say, oh, what is there something I need to know about we need to stay away from? Because you don't want to throw somebody into a psychotic state. No, definitely will hurt your your reputation as, as well as their weak. Right, so right. I really feel that we, you know, mental illness is so taboo anyway. We still don't talk about it. We still don't appreciate the fact that it is an illness like diabetes, like heart disease, 
And we need to take it very seriously if someone does say, I do have some issues, okay? And you need to make sure that you understand that you're not going to take them down a road that might be detrimental to both of you. But likewise, I imagine it's important when you share this information that you trust the person you're sharing with. Because this is health information. It's not for public consumption. No, no. What you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure you're safe, your partner is safe, and that you're having a good time. That's what it's about, isn't it? It is. We do call it play. Absolutely. But you have to be responsible. Responsible? That sounds like an adult thing to do. Yeah, you know, playing responsible. Oh, yeah, that's it. I refuse to grow up. Yeah. Well, you don't have okay, to grow Pollyanna. up to be responsible. Peter. Peter. No, Peter. 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 <laughs> yeah. Peter. I'm Polly. He's Peter. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to grow up either. And I'm I'm actually having more fun now in my 60s than I've had any time in my whole life. And I want to continue and I want to grow. But I want to make it to my 70s and my 80s. And I have plans for my next century. So There you go. Yep. The one thing that I also wanted to add to the uh, the mental section is people that have either undiagnosed or diagnosed schizophrenias and things like that, you could uh, start playing with one person and end up with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Schizophrenia, everybody thinks that's like the spit personalities. It's not. Schizophrenic, there are chemical imbalances in our brain, and a lot of times they will hear voices the voice might come out of your computer, might come out of the car radio, whereas a split personality, that's an entire different diagnosis. Which is much, much less common. Yes, but you can trigger a psychotic event if they are not taking their medication. If they are taking their medication, but you take them down a road that they fail to say, we better not do that. What about anxiety issues are fairly common. Is it important that the partners be aware of medications and whether those medications are in effect? I think with anxiety, uh, there are medications that people take. But if, if you get an anxiety attack, you can have a lot of issues there, too, because as an anxiety attack or a panic attack accelerates, breathing becomes involved. The more of the anxiety buildup and the more difficult it is to breathe, that makes the anxiety even more intense, which then again causes more issues with breathing problems. And we got rational thinking is not always applied. No. And combative nature can increase. Right. Then you can go into your fight or flight where there could be damage to the part to eat to eat both parties. And uh, with with anxiety, it is very real. And if they are saying, or you're noticing signs, increased breathing, that's not going away, or there are there, and changes in eye dilation, you know, check the eyes. If they're breathing funny, but they're not saying, oh, yes, that's good, or they're making their happy noises, and but the breathing's increasing, and if you can see their eyes, check their eyes. If pupils are dilating, that's not a good thing. That's usually a sign of anxiety. Now, anxiety meds, I hear people complain about the way they flatten their perceptions, and some people may be prone to just skip them at times for play. You know, again, with anxiety, most of the time the medications are once you start going into attack, some people will take them on a regular basis. Again, that's something everybody's different on how they react. 
So this is a communication issue for sure. Right, exactly. So you still need to let people know, look, you know, I do get anxiety. You know, if somebody would throw a snake at me, I would have an anxiety attack, and I'm not prone to them. That's just a, a, that scares me. That's fear. That's fear. So that's a trigger for you. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of us have triggers in those areas that we wouldn't even consider on the the mental side of uh, the question. Right. But we're scared of different things, and there are claustrophobias, there's Mm -hmm. acrophobias, there's Mm -hmm. all those different things that can come out in a scene that is a series of traps that we don't understand are even there. If I'm restrained and you put a snake in my face, I'm dead. It's going to be over because that's my fear. But your top may be dead, too. Probably not because I would, I would. Oh, you just. Oh, yeah. It'd be over, huh? Oh, it's, it's over. It's over. <laughs> I don't even like pictures of snakes, okay? I, I have to use a pencil to turn a page if I know a snake's on the next page. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a philosophy, and some of our listeners will probably call in. The best snake is a. Dead snake. Thank you. So we've uh, traveled down the uh, the medical road here and, and covered uh, a number of things, and this is. Certainly just scratching the surface. We could talk hours with each one. We could. And the one thing that we want to do is just let our listeners be aware that there are some things out there that we really haven't talked about on the show to this level and to be aware. And if you have questions, talk to a medical professional. They're not as scary as you think they are. And some of them are not as straight as you think they are. There's a lot of very kinky doctors and nurses out there. There's one sitting in this room. Oh, certainly not. (laughs) But um, they're also on the uh, National Coalition of Sexual Freedoms website, ncsfreedom.org. There is a listing of kink-aware professionals, and if you need a doctor to talk to about kink, that is a good place to start. And Woody, I would remind our listeners to go back through our archives and check out our own resident uh, kink doctor, Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan, if you have events that really are out of the ordinary, we might love to do a show about them. Yes, certainly write in if you have something that you want to ask the professionals, because we certainly have an open line to them. I'm sure that you would uh, answer questions for us. Absolutely. We have possibilities, and if you want to do something that is um, off the beaten path, as it were, ask away. We'll uh, run it past our crew and see possibly where the trouble may lie. Again, this is not a medical professional that we're assigned to you. These are general answers of what we think the proper care would be. Potentiality of things out there. Yes. And I'm going to steal Beast's line. Education, 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 communication, communication, communication. You've got to have these if you're going to be in this lifestyle. It's too important. And we thank you for, for, for visiting with us today. Thank you for having me. And the one thing before I let her get away, the master comes up to you and says, you have to submit to me and you don't get a negotiation. What's your answer? See ya. Don't want to be ya. I'm out of there. There it is. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us tonight, Nurse Ratchet. We, thank you uh, for having me. We really do appreciate your time, and it's been enlightening. You have been listening to episode 197 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week.
when Dr. Elizabeth Sheff, author of The Polyamorists Next Door, joins us.